David? Uh-huh. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. And good morning to all you lovely listeners at home to yet another episode of the podcast that we continuously, humorously, and maybe one day apologetically entitle, David? What's that smell you're thinking again? That's right. One day we might change it, and uh, this is, we're going to really date these episodes, but I'll uh, <laughs> see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of complaints about it, and not people not getting it, though, you know, it's not that hard to figure out. I don't know. Maybe we're all just big brain, and they are all stinky brain, but I don't know. Uh, how you doing, David? I'm doing all right, kind of. How you doing? I am doing pretty well, all things considered. I'm a little hot. Uh, Got to get those fans going, because, you know, dorm room, no AC. But, you know, we're thriving. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. How, how's uh, Wisconsin doing right now? Wisconsin's doing just fine. It's a, it's a nice, hot summer day. Um, just finished, you know, cutting the grass. and. Uh, oh, what a very summery activity. Right, right. How's, uh, how's Purdue? How's, uh, uh, yes, it is hot. Um, yes, it is very, very hot here as well. Um, that being said, you know, I've been inside most of the day, but the time I was outside, I melted. So that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, you know, as much as as fun as it is to talk about the weather, I think we should dive right back into this episode. So this episode is pretty interesting because it's a definitely an, it's a topic that lots really touch upon, but I think it's something that we should totally talk about more. Uh, because like it's quintessential to being a film nerd that you bring these up at some point but at the same time I think a lot of people don't truly understand what they are and if they're actually a problem or not and that is cliches yes the, the, the one of the biggest punching bags that a movie can have like anybody's a critic when they say that's pretty cliche that's pretty cliche how cliche you know what I'm saying <laughs> anybody can become a critic as soon as they see something that they feel like they've seen before and go how cliche you know uh and we're here to talk about that topic because like cliches themselves i don't think are inherently bad i know like it might be bold of me to say although all the amateur critics out here being like oh, but that was my only critique of the movie yeah i know maybe they're not always bad um but i think we should dive right in talking about them so david you ready to discuss i'm ready kind of you ready i am pretty ready but I want to ask you, David, in your opinion, because sometimes you got to justify it, you know, you got to, you got to level the playing field a bit. What do you think a cliche is exactly? Um, well, I mean, so I guess going by like definition, like, like a cliche is um, like a trope or a, uh, a common repetitive idea that you see in multiple films or tv shows yeah really any any story like books can even have cliches yeah yeah any 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 like repetitive uh trope or idea uh that's used you know in multiple different forms of media i think is the most basic um definition of what a cliche is connor what do you think yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty simple. If I had to make it a little more convoluted, I would say a cliche is essentially any idea that a movie takes and kind of uses that has been used before to a point where people notice it, right? Like, you know, a cliche isn't just like, oh, man, I saw a movie with a similar plot to this. Like, no, that's not a cliche. But the cliche kind of hits when you start to you start to feel that grind of like, oh, wait a minute, I recognize this. I know where this is going to go. 
why is it this kind of movie again? And like, you start to feel it and you just, you, you, it's something you feel, right? It's, it's when a movie does something to the point that it's noticeable. Like, if I wouldn't, I would not say a movie has cliches, like, you know, uh, inherently, like, it's not like one of those things where like, you're sitting there and being like, oh man, like, this is a really great movie. Oh wait, it has cliches? Oh, bad now. Like, no, like for most people, I think cliches only show themselves when, you know, you notice them, right? Like they only become problematic when you notice them, right? So if I had to simplify it down, I would say it's when you notice that something in a movie has been done before to a point that it's like literally, it prints on you, you know, you recognize it. Um, and that could kind of be like, that, that's, that's something that's kind of jarring, right? Because even if, if so, it's something that's so common that even the casual moviegoer can watch and go, I recognize that, then you know something's up. Like, it's noticeable. And that can be a big thing to a lot of people. And it becomes a mental note, right? Like, everybody knows when you're watching a movie and then you get to that cliche part and you're like, oh. And then it, like, ruins your thought on the movie for a little while until they do something that redeems themselves. Like, um, turn, oh, uh, Onward, the movie, the Pixar movie. I remember right. when when they finally like started going on their quest, I'm going, wait a minute, this is starting to become this destination, destination, destination thing, man. And then that kind of hit me. I'm like, you know what? I kind of not, I'm not really feeling this because as instantly when I saw that, I'm like, it's just going to be a quest, a generic, like, it, it, I get the point, but I'm saying like, it, it definitely made sense in the plot, but it became that. And I was like, oh, okay. And I kind of shut my mind off until that ending, which kind of made it a lot better. That being said, like that point was a noticeable shift when you got okay these are the these are the cliches you know i got it it's the road trip buddy adventure movie with you know multiple stops along the way where their their brotherhood is challenged but they'll bond along the way like you got it you know y you caught on at least i caught on right um but then i have to pass the question to you again david uh do you think they're inherently good or inherently bad do you think they're always going to be problematic or are they only problematic when you notice them like what, what do you think david I don't think cliches are bad necessarily, um, as long as they're done well. Um, so I'm going to be pulling off of um, anime a lot. Yeah, that's in fine. This, in this, in this, uh, we need diverse perspectives. Go for it. Right. So um, I've seen a lot of shonen anime. Um, I that this majority like like what i watch when it comes to anime right and there are a lot of cliches in anime like it like it is like it has become like synonymous an with anime cliches are pretty like that term is pretty common like, yeah it's very common it's 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 very like a popular term that's thrown around you know like anime cliches um and it's very real it's a very real thing and it's the thing that has deterred me away from a lot of anime because, you know, I'll just be like, hmm, this show looks interesting. I watched the first few episodes. I'm like, I've seen this 20 times before. I don't want to watch this again. Right. So I think that with cliches, it really just depends on how you do it and how you use it. Like, I think that you can have a cliche and use it in a correct way that doesn't actually ruin the cliche it's like obviously i've seen this kind of thing before but slightly altered uh for example um katsuki bakugo from my hero academia right he is you know your stereotypical hot-headed 
um, explosive, uh, angry boy character, right? We've all obviously seen that before in a show, you know, somewhere, right? But yeah. they 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 add a spin to it that makes his character nuanced and quite interesting, actually. And I think that's using that kind of cliche to their advantage. So at the end of the day, like I said, it depends on how you use it. Um, because obviously I think it could help uh, characters and the actual story. But at the same time, it can definitely harm uh, the story itself and kind of deter viewers from watching said movie or TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up some examples. Yeah. Like, um, I think if, if you had to spin this on me, um, I think with cliches, right, um, people tend to get mad when they see them. And I kind of, I find that's kind of odd because cliches only became a thing because some, at one point they worked, right? Like cliches had to have come from something that was so influential that it caused repeating to the point where it has now become cliche, right? So I feel like people who get really angry about it, you got to take a step back and realize like, okay, just because I've seen this before does not necessarily imply that it's bad or not original. It just means that this idea has been done before. It's time to see where they go with it. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, I totally agree with you. If something sounds cliche, it can be a really big deterrent. Like when you see a movie and you're like, hmm, do I want to watch this? And then you read the synopsis and go, no, that's every single drama. That's every single romance, every single comedy. Like that can be a deterrent. And even if it's well-reviewed, like there's a certain level of, you know, a certain level of apprehension you can get when you see something's been done before and you're like, well, I don't know, like what, why would I watch it if I already know this idea? Which that's definitely a negative thing. Like don't necessarily jump away from something because it sounds familiar, right? That's not even giving it a shot. Like that's just taking the core idea and then being like, that's, that's basically, I know what the show's about now. Uh, so I think inherently saying cliches are bad is a little extreme to me. On the other hand, with cliches being good, I think you're a little too forgiving. I got to keep that in mind too. Like if you think every single cliche is forgivable, like you kind of have to recognize it's a little bit ignorant, you know, like you can't be out here seeing every single bad movie being like, yeah, sure. It's ripped the plot of every single movie ever made, but like, it's okay. Like, no, come on. There's a, you should probably have a problem with um obviously it's going to differ from person to person but like i think there's i think you got to recognize the cliches they aren't inherently bad but they can't you can't have too much or you're just completely lost track of what even the point was you know like um especially when it comes to uh films that get popular that's another big one because uh, two examples I'm going to throw out here are Joker and Black Swan because they've had a very interesting lineage in pop culture where they got popular, right? And then actually very popular. And then people said, whoa, wait a minute. This is the same plot as this movie with uh, with um, Black Swan. People say, wait a minute, it's just Suspiria meets Perfect Blue. And then people went with Joker. They said, wait a minute, this is just Taxi Driver meet King of Comedy. Like people caught on to it right away that something was off with these two movies like it, there was some sort of cliche there but it was more of a response to the fact that people loved it so much at first that like that was a big part of it there wasn't this counter movement until people started really watching the movie and then people going wait a minute this movie's amazing and people went no calm down right um 
that's where I think the line starts to kind of blur in terms of if cliches are good or bad. Because obviously I'm not trying to tell you if you dislike Black Swan or Joker, you should go and like them because, hey, stop being mad at cliches. Like, I'm not telling you that. But at the same time, it's you start to get kind of blurred when you're like, okay, how much of this can is forgivable and how much of this is just blatantly steepy, you know what I mean? Uh, which kind of segues to another point that I really want to talk about and bring up to you, David, is inspiration versus stealing. Like, that is totally a big thing with movies. Like, uh, where a movie is so much like another movie and they claim to be inspired by it, but is it truly inspired or is it stealing? I uh, just straight up taking the idea and redoing it again. So I want to ask this to you, David. Uh, what are your thoughts on movies being inspired by other works? Not necessarily it, like based off of, not like, I'm not saying like, oh, the adapt the book or the movie adaptation of Series of Unfortunate Events is ripping off the book. I'm not saying that because that's not ripping off. That's not cliches. Right. But like, I'm saying like when a movie like Lion King is inspired by Hamlet or movies like Apocalypse Now are inspired by the book uh, Army of Shadows or whatever. No, no, Army of Shadows. It's Army of... No, it's Heart of Darkness. Jesus Christ, that took me a minute. Uh, but like, do, what's your thoughts on movies being inspired by other movies? Like not necessarily adaptations, but just being inspired by. Right. And, I, show, I, and shows. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a really good question. Um, something I really, I don't really think about too much. Um, but yeah, um, there, there are a lot of people who like, it, I don't know. It's like, it, it, it rides, it rides a thin line almost, you know, it's like, are they just ripping off this other thing or are they like just inspired by it? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think it's a great question. Um, so I, I honestly, it, it depends. It, it depends when it comes to, um, something you know you take take a film and because obviously um when when you're writing a script um you, you're inspired by something something yeah, like inspired, inherently you will be inspired by yeah something. inherently you're going to be inspired to write a script by something you're just not going to like wake up one day be like i'm gonna i'm gonna write a script for fight club you know it's like with like absolutely no inspiration you know like, yeah, like eventually you're gonna you like there'll be a point in the story where your brain inherently is gonna pick out something that you know and then put it in the story even if you don't realize you're doing it. Like right. it would happen, right? Right, right, right. So like just naturally you're going to be inspired by other forms of media and art, right? That, mm-hmm. that that's that's how like all movies and TV shows work, right? Um and I I think that's okay. I, I think that's okay to take aspects of other things and add it to your work as long as it's still like original right so then it's like so then you know like what makes something you know original yet still um you know being inspired by something right and and not you know being a complete you know rip off of something else right and then uh, I, I just got to keep in mind too with like Lion King, right? That's an example of a very common inspired movie. So does that mean that Lion King is not original because it took its plot from Hamlet? Like, you know, that's something you got to keep in mind with a lot of movies like that. Right. Like, is is it truly original? Right. Um, I, I, I would say yes. I would say yes, Lion King is an original film, right? Even Even though like it has a lot of elements shared with you know the story of hamlet 
it, it still it still does its own thing, right? So as 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 we move on, you know, as as we you know go into the you know future and the future of film and future of uh, you know just media and stuff like that, you know, we're going to see uh, a bit of repetition um, of things things being inspired by past you know media and stuff like that. So I I, I think I think that's natural, right? So I mean, as long as you are still trying to make an original movie and not like making a blatant copy of you know another film like like uh for example uh ants and a bug life right like that's mm-hmm. like, that's like that's a clear ripoff of a bug's life right it's like mm-hmm. it's clear as day that they're trying to rip off another movie while lion king you know like it has elements taken from hamlet but at the end of the day it's still like its own movie here's another one that i want to bring up totally that on your point uh space jam 2 of all movies people have been pointing out that the plot of it is the exact same plot as the movie hook and that's another one like you can't say that's inspired by because the two movies are unrelated and they don't mention it it's not like someone said you know what this is a space jam version of hook no they never said that so that one is an example. And I think comparing them like with a great one, like Lion King being inspired by Hamlet and then this Space Jam 2 being inspired by Hook is just hilarious to me. Like there is an obvious ripoff method there. That's when you take the cliches of another movie and just use them, you know, like you're not even being inspired by you're straight up plucking them out. Right. Right. Uh, kind of what do you think? Yeah. Um, so going into that point, so inspiration versus stealing, uh, it's definitely a tough one because you could claim that a movie is inspired by another movie, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to cover every single uh, every single like end that you make. You know, you can't cover up every single movie that you've covered that you were inspired by. Right. Like it's going to be tough. And a lot of the time you're not going to notice it like uh, it'll, I'll jump back to uh, Joker. I can't necessarily say Joker was not inspired by Taxi Driver like it probably was later. There's no indication that the movie is not inspired by taxi driver. And there's a lot of scenes in that movie that are very similar. So like, you know, I can't necessarily justify that there, but on the other hand, you can watch Joker and then see a different movie than taxi driver. Like a lot of people did. So people love it. So like, I think with inspiration versus stealing, I, it, it's gotta be what you do with it. Like with space jam, it's very evidently just, or Space Jam 2 is evidently taking the plot of Hook and it's just the same thing. The only difference is it's about basketball and Warner Brothers. So, like, there is definitely some, like, clear copying there. With, like, Joker and Taxi Driver, there's inspiration without a doubt. But in the end, Joker is still Joker, right? The way it's portrayed is still its own thing, even though it's very inspired by stuff like King of Comedy and Taxi Driver. So it's definitely hard to, to figure out exactly what exactly what kind of constitutes it as. And another great thing is it's different from everybody, for everybody, right? Some people will think, some people probably watch Lion so frustrating. They just take everything from Hamlet. Like, why would you just, why would you adapt this? Hamlet is just so much better. This is just so childish and dumb. I hate Lion King. I'm sure somebody thinks that. But like, at the same time, some people might also watch Space Jam too and be like, yeah, I think this improved upon Hook's plot. 
I think Hook was boring and cliche, and then Space Jam was inspired and original. <laughs> it's hard to say that, but some people might believe that. And I think that's what's interesting about cliches is like, I think it's hard to necessarily pin down which ones are truly cliches because stuff can be done again and again and again, not be considered a cliche. And then stuff can be done a couple of times and be considered a cliche. Like, you know, with with Joker and, and uh, uh, Black Swan, right? People say that those movies are inspired by other movies, but at the same time, it's not like there's a million movies inspired by the stuff that inspired those movies. It's not like there are a million movies inspired by Perfect Blue and Suspiria that, you know, Black Swan is just another one of, you know? And same thing with Joker. It's not like there's so many movies out there ripping off Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and I think there's one more movie it's ripping off, I don't remember, or that people say it's ripping off. And, like, it's not like it's another one of those movies. Like, there's definitely something distinctive there. Uh, and I think, in the end, how severe a cliche is going to be to you is going to be totally dependent on what you've seen and how annoyed you were that you saw it again, you know? Like, it's totally different from person to person. And, uh, yeah, um, I, then I, I kind of want to expand a little bit more and ask you, David, so why do you think people get annoyed with them? Like, if, if it's something that worked at one point, and if it's something they've enjoyed in a movie before, why do you think people get annoyed by it? And like, why are people, why do people find it so egregious when a movie does something that something else has done before? Like, what do you think? Um, I mean, obviously it's something that I've, I've dealt with. Um, yeah, right. We've all found a movie that we hate because it's cliche. Like, everyone right, does that. Right, right, right. So I'll, I'm going to return back to the anime um, example. Um, so there, you know, there have been plenty of times where I've, you know, started, like I mentioned, I started a, a series and I just didn't like it because it was like something I've seen before. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's almost like when we go into a show or a series or a movie, you know, we're going into it expecting something new, expecting something fresh, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're not, we're not going into a movie thinking, hmm, I want to see the same thing I've seen before. Like, if you want to do that, go rewatch, you know, a movie that you liked. I, I, I don't want to go into a a film that I, I'm, you know, like a new film that I'm thinking, oh, it's gonna be something fresh, something new, and it turns out it's like something that I've seen before, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that's people's mindsets. You know, they they go into a movie and they want something new, they want something fresh. They want something they haven't seen before. They want to be told the story that they haven't you know, seen before. And, you know, and that's kind of a lot to ask. And it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, a, a tall order. But like, you know, for the most part, I think that's kind of, you know, how we think when it comes to uh, new movies and new shows. You know, we're, we're, we're expecting... Um, you know, things to be fresh, things to be new. And um, I, I, I kind of want to pull on uh, Rick and Morty uh, for this. Um, with Rick and Morty, um, I, I heard an interview from the creators um, and they mentioned that... So if, if you guys have been watching Rick and Morty, you guys know that um, the last season and this season, there, there have been... Uh, significantly less episodes than they have in the past. Like this season only had like eight episodes and the last season only had five. And that's because 
they are trying to create episodes with original um you know concepts and original ideas that we haven't seen before in any past episodes or like in any other show that we've seen you know up until this point right and i think that's awesome i i, I really like how they're taking the time to um come up with original ideas for these episodes you know even though you know that takes a lot more time they're coming out with new things right and it's definitely paying off quite well um so it it really really comes down to you know passion of you know liking like how much work you want to put into your series and whatnot uh kind of a mini tangent right there but um yeah but like i i just think that people don't like because they want something original they want something fresh and um an example something that does that is rick and morty but like it takes time to do those kind of things um but a lot of people just don't have that time slash don't want to uh wait that long so they they fall on tropes they fall on um past ideas so that they can come out with the uh you know newest thing um so yeah yeah and I want to keep adding to that because I got some interesting points because you talked about how people are always interested in new things. And I 100% agree with you. But that's not 100% true always because even with – there are a lot of times that filmmakers will try something more original, try something different, and it does not pay off. Two examples. One, Halloween 3. So – for a little history lesson for you guys, the the Halloween movies originally, John Carpenter's idea for the movies was he wanted to have each movie be completely unrelated to each other. So Mike Myers was going to be in the first one, but none of the sequels. The sequels would be about different things. The only thing tying them together was the, was the theme of it being Halloween. That was what his vision was for the series. But as, as popular as Halloween got, suddenly the, the, uh, the higher-ups were going, let's get more Mike Myers. So then they made Halloween 2 that had mike myers in it and you know was a six was a sequel right well uh john carpenter was obviously not didn't want to do that so for for halloween three he did something different he did not include mike myers halloween three it's a completely different movie i have not seen it but i that's what i know of the movie it didn't do that well uh comparatively to the original two it did not do as well as the others now, keep that in mind. We were just talking about how people want original ideas. That's why people point out those cliches, because it's annoying, right? But when Halloween literally took a stop in their franchise and said, no, let's do something different, it didn't pay off. A second example of this is Last of Us 2. Uh, another huge tonal shift, where the second game got a lot darker, a lot more hopeless, and it felt like a very different type of game than the first and people turned on it. A lot of people don't like that game. And a big reason from what I've read is it gets so hopelessly dark and starts to feel angsty. Like, and to the point where it's not fun. Like, it's different, and it's not being inspired by much else, but people weren't 100% on board with it. So it kind of, you got to ask yourself, like, why are people digging so harshly onto cliches when there are are numerous examples of things where they tried to do something original and buy out, doesn't buy it. Like there's, there's almost an accepted level of cliche that people want. And then there's like too many, or there's too much that's unfamiliar to people or just 
that maybe people just are love something original so much that they don't want anything to change off that original thing. Who knows? There's a lot of things that could play into it. But David, what is your thought on this idea of like people getting mad at cliches, but also getting mad when something uh, they like is starting to change? What do you think? Yeah. Um, I really, I really feel like that applies mostly to um, sequels a lot. Um, only because like when, when you watch a sequel, right, you, you're, you know, expecting to see the same characters um, in, in uh, you know, kind of a continuation of the first story, right? Yeah, um, but that being said, that being said, Don, because they're like, oh my gosh, the sequel is literally just the first movie again. Like, it's the same plot, you know? Like, people always rag on that. Uh, well, not yeah, recently, I, Ocean's 13, like, same movie. <laughs> so people rag I, I on know. it. Go ahead. I know, I know, I know. But, like, when, when, it, when it comes down to sequels, okay so basically Damn what a sequel what, what people like about sequels are like what sequels are yes intended to be they're intended to be a continuation of the first story right they're a continuation of um what what you've seen prior but in an original kind of setting area area kind of thing so um think of think think of it like the lord of the rings or like harry potter right um mm. It's a continuation of you know what you've seen prior. You know it's it's still connected to the past movies or past books, right? Um, but you're seeing the characters, you know, doing something different, um, which which I I think is what people are looking for when when it comes to sequels, um, because you know you're expecting that you know fam- familiarity, but in kind of a a different lighting, right? Um, so yeah, but is is that not you know what cliches are you know the same idea but with different lighting? Um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where you ride the line almost. It's like you're you're kind of reusing that same aspect, but how are you going to use it? Right. It's it, it depends on like how you're using that said cliche. You know. Sure. Yeah, I get so, you. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I, right. that was it. Okay. Well, then I think now it's time. I think we should dive into some specific stuff, talk about our thoughts on that, because there's a lot more to talk about that I think we can touch upon. And one of the first ones I want to talk about is a cliche that is so is so infamous that everybody, most people can point it out as soon as they see it. And, that, and even if you don't know it based off the name of it. And that's called The Hero's Journey. The Hero's Journey is one of the most common plot structures that you can find in movies. Uh, for the brush up on those who don't really know the, the idea, the hero's journey is Lord of the Rings. Uh, that's that's the best example. A character is, you know, living their life in a common town they love and appreciate, and then they get a call to action. Something happens, they're called out of that comfort zone, and at first they're apprehensive. They're like, maybe I don't want to do this, right? Well, then they go, eventually they go against their nature and they go out there. They face trials and tribulations that strengthen them as a person. They find this goal and either A, embrace it with the skills they learned on the way, or they get to it, recognize that what they were building up to was not what they expected, and the true goal was to go home. And then after a big climax, home either enlightened or stronger or a more developed person. That is a very, very common uh, story beat. There's a couple more details to it that are a little more plot specific, but that is a very bare bones structure 
that is very commonly used. Lord of the Rings uses it, uh, and tons of tons of characters, tons of movies take bits and pieces of the hero's journey and use it. Right. So, let me ask you, David. Uh, do you think ideas like that, like journeys, adventures, you know, stuff like onward, like I mentioned before, where you go from point to point to point? Uh, what are your thoughts in that kind of cliche? Because that was a very common one. Right, right. So, like, are you asking, like, is it exhausted? Like, no. What's your thoughts? Like, have right. you ever noticed it? Has it ever bugged you? What do you obviously. think? Obviously, I've noticed it before in plenty in plenty of films and TV shows. Uh, it's 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 very common, like you mentioned. Um, I I think it's um, I think it's an easy cliche to fall back on. Right. Um, I, I think it tells a very simple story um, of a character, you know, um, discovering themselves and, and growing. And I think it's it's easy to fit um, themes into. Um, I, I think I think it's very standard and typical uh, storyline. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, I, I, I think if you're going to write a story and it follows kind of the hero's journey, I, I don't think that's I think that's bad. Um, now, it depends on how you use it. I, I think that's I think that that's what it comes down to. Um, I I think that like with, with any kind of cliche, it depends how you use it. Like I think that if you were to take the hero's journey and take a spin on it, um, in kind of a way, I I think that could be kind of interesting. Um, but you know, if 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 you're just like you know, the character, you know, has humble beginnings, humble origins and, you know, ventures out and, you know, call to action and, you know, learn something about themselves and then returns back, right, or whatever. Um, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's exhausted. It's been used so many times, right? Um, but I think that, you know, as long as you uh, do something interesting with it, do a unique kind of cool spin to it, um, I think it could be, I think it'd be kind of interesting um I, I definitely think it's one of the more used and more basic of the cliches but i, I definitely think it I think, I think it works oh yeah i mean like another one because here's the thing with those movies right think of here are some of the most common heroes journey movies like the most the most beloved you got harry potter lord of the rings those are three of the biggest and Look at those movies. They're some of the most rev like revered classics in known memory. Those are huge movies. People love those movies. And like, and like you'd, you'd think if the cliche was so egregious that th literally this storyline has been around since like a lot of Greek legends. That a lot that's where it came from was a lot of old stories from like, from like Greek and Roman mythology. So like, if it's been around that long, you'd think people would get exhausted by it at, even when Star Wars came out. But you know what? Like those are considered some of the most, some of the most classic movies out there. And I think a big part of that is because the hero's journey is just an inherently interesting story, right? Like inherently you kind of want to see where it goes. That being said, movies like Dungeons and Dragons is like the most bare bones version of that. And it sucks. So like there is definitely using a plot and making using a plot and making it bad. That's definitely a possibility. And just because I, I guess the kind of point I wanted to make with cliche is just because it's been re used over and over again, doesn't mean you should inherently knock it until you realize that's the only idea they have, you know, or like something like that. Um, 
some more cliches that can get mocked a lot is romance cliches. Those are some of the easiest ones to knock because romance is already a very, very like emotionally centric thing where something can, something can look ridiculous if you see it from when you're not vibing with it. But then when you get connected to it, it doesn't feel as ridiculous and starts to feel more, you know, personable. Uh, some of those cliches, you know, you got like the two people who meet each other and either A, fall in love right away or B, they see each other and hate each other right away. And over the course of the movie, they either, you know, meet in secret and get to love each other more or they start to get, to, you know, they start to see each other and start to hate each other less and less until they start loving each other. And then there's that, mis- uh, that uh, misunderstanding that, you know, causes them to diverge again and go back to hating each other or they fall apart. And then they recognize that, it was it was that person they needed all along. They come back together. They get back together happily happily ever after kind of thing. You know that one, right? Like that's very common. And lots and bits pieces of that kind of idea are in a lot of things. Oh, um, Connor, just you talking about that makes me groan. <laughs> right? Like people hate romance oh. cliches because romance cliches are so. It's it's almost like being invited to a party but not being able to do anything at the party. Right? You're getting teased like this is these characters loving each other so much and they're so happy. And like, if you don't relate to that or if you don't truly get to feel the emotions, it feels like teasing or it feels like a couple being really like really overly affectionate in public and it can get exhausting. And, but keep in mind, there are plenty of stories that romance stories that do that phenomenally well before sunrise, a great example of just two characters meeting and then falling in love. That's a basic ass plot, but like it works. It's a phenomenal romance story. La La Land is similar where two characters start out not really liking each other that much and then starting to recognize that they find strength in each other's weaknesses and ultimately grow as people and achieve their dreams because they didn't like each other and because they were so different from one another. Like that, that worked and La La Land's phenomenal. That being said, there are a crap ton of really bad romances. <laughs> so like... Uh, well, David, what I know you've groaned at it before, but can, what are what are your thoughts on these on these cliches? Oh, uh, they're <laughs> so like overused. It's like yeah, uh, Hallmark, you know. <laughs> I, literally, it's the plot of every Hallmark movie. Like <laughs> I swear, like outside of the Hero's Journey one, like this one is possibly the one of the worst it's it's probably the one i i hate the most um <laughs> out of out of all the cliches i don't know it's just i maybe i just haven't seen a good like version of this cliche hey, you've seen la la land there you go that's one but like yeah i guess i i guess i i guess that's true uh, yeah, I think that you definitely got to, I think, um, I'm not saying that you should be forgiving of it, but I'm saying uh, something with these ones is you're going to find more crap than than good. But when you find those diamonds in the rough, they'll be the ones that you truly vibe with, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just like, uh, one that one that came to my mind really quickly was um, Annie. <laughs> Annie 2014? Yes. Wait, wait, what romance? What was it like? Uh, Mr. Stax? Yeah, Jamie Foxx and Rose Byrne. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, 
I don't, like, I don't know, like Thorough Man. Damn, like, you're out here critiquing your own movie. You're like, that's, <laughs> that's, your, that's your movie. He's, I know. By, the end of, by the end of this episode, he's gonna be like, guys, I got a confession. I don't like Annie from Quentin anymore. No, no, I, <laughs> I still like the movie. It's just like, with, with that movie, like their romance was just so like unnecessary. Another reason why that movie is kind of bad, but <laughs> like their romance was like, why? Why did it even happen? He's very good thing. looking. Yeah, right. the movie, remember? And they take off his hair. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> got nice hair. I wouldn't bank on the hair, sister. <laughs> Man, that movie. <laughs> uh, uh. I mean, okay, I'm not saying Annie is a good movie, but like, I love it. You know, I love the movie. <laughs> we will, we will talk about Annie at some point when. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll watch it together, and then we'll do the episode, and it'll be great. It'll be another goofy movie situation. It'll be it'll be great. I'll probably right. lose my mind because every every subsequent watch that I've watched recently has caused me to fall deeper and deeper into madness. So, like, okay, okay, st- when, when we watched I, it last time, you said like you started to appreciate it. You no, know, I the thing is, is as I sat there and watched it, I started to realize what I hated about it was totally what it was going for. And like <laughs> I'm, I almost like I fell for it. Like I don't know. Like we'll, we'll talk about it, but like Jesus, that movie hurts. Um, <laughs> it's it's simultaneously the worst and greatest film ever made. I need, I need to figure my way my way out of that one. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Okay, so we'll get there. We'll get to that yeah, one. Back to um, topic. Back to topic. Yes. Um, I will throw out one more cliche stream that we could talk about and then i'll have david bring up some ones he wanted to talk about uh because he was lawn mowing so i'm sure he was thinking about it um i want to talk about horror movie cliches real quick because horror movies got repetitive fast because like let's let's think about some classic horror movies i've seen the big three now so i can talk about them which is halloween uh, friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street all three of those movies they inspired what horror movies are going to be for good or for bad the idea of a mysterious thing attacking high schoolers or college students, killing them off one by one, a lot of sex, a lot of nudity, a lot of random violence, and it has no character and is strictly there to fill in jump scares or make people generally uneasy until a big climax where one person, usually a girl, has to stand up for the group, take them out, and, you know you walk away pretty traumatized, but mostly all right. until she can come back in the sequel and fight the guy again. Like that is totally a horror movie cliche. It's so cliche. They made a movie about the cliches called cabin in the woods, which is leagues better than all three of those movies combined. It's true. (laughs) Cabin in the woods is amazing, but uh, that's that formula is extremely used in horror movies. And for better or worse, I think movies have gotten, have used that formula and turned it and made it a science. They figured out how to incorporate the characters to make them hateable or likable or they, they're trying. I swear to God, if we had to make a movie that was literally created in a factory that wasn't a kid's movie, it would be a horror movie because horror movies are now a science. I swear. Uh, and all you need is jump scares and loud noises and violence and occasionally a boob or two. And suddenly it's, like it's a horror movie and you know it and you suddenly are filled with these images that you've seen in every other horror movie so let me pose it off uh what are some what are your thoughts on horror movie cliches and what's what are some that work what are some that don't like give me the spill what are your thoughts on it 
Right, right. So, when it comes to horror movies, a ton, a ton of them follow that typical, uh, you know, horror movie cliches like I kind of mentioned. Um, it's they're they're very easy to fall back on, and I I think that um, why they use so much is because you know it's 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 a quick you know cash grab. You know, it's like throwing a couple jump scares and you know you got a movie right date and... night movie so you know you got the hot the teenager crowd going with their big friend group or their girlfriends just to have that experience of jump scares and then the girls freak out and the guys laugh and all that right 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 so it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like you know people people go to see it so they, they can bring dates or you know like no one actually like goes to see these movies because they think they're going to be like high quality films right um now i'm not saying that like all um horror movies are bad and they're just they're just throwaway cheap movies i think there are like genuinely good horror movies out there like hereditary or get out or us right i think those are like genuine like high quality like horror movies that are actually scary um that have really awesome horror elements to them that are beyond the actual jump scare you know um and you know that delve into kind of like that psychological element right um beyond you know the you know in your face kind of kind of scare right um and, and that's awesome um but anyways you know back to the typical boring you know horror movie uh, kind of cliche. You got for a minute. We got to go back and talk <laughs> yeah. about things that are right. overdone. <laughs> right, 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 right. Jesus. Um, yeah. Um, they're they're cheap. They're very much overused. They're almost as bad as the ro- the romance cliches. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say about them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, formally cliches are very easy. You can point them out. But I think what we got to keep in mind is like horror movie cliches are a thing because movies did it and it worked right because you've had classic movies like nightmare uh, on elm street and you've got uh, and um friday the 13th and child's play like all those movies they did those things and did them in a way that was original i mean it's a little tough with friday the 13th because friday the 13th is so much the generic horror movie setup that appreciate that one because it's so much of the same thing, it, you can't even give it like originality points because it almost feels like one of the movies inspired. But point is, what I'm trying to say is like you kind of there's a lot of it that you got to respect for the original time, and I think there are some horror movies that do take that route, like Cabin in the Woods, that do that story but expand upon it so much because the movie knows they're doing it, or they take that idea and make it more interesting and show off what makes it work, what makes it doesn't or make it not work, I mean, and, like, ultimately can create a movie that is more distinct than those movies that made, that inspired it, you know? So, I think that's just a big cliche idea, or idea about cliches, is, like, if a movie can take those cliches and make them better, or even make cliches, make the cliche that was dying become something unique, more unique, I think you can get some good stuff there. Um, But, you know, let's segue into more cliches that we want to talk about. David, please inspire us or please let us know what are some cliches that you have a problem with or want to talk about? Sure, sure, sure. 
Um, I think I think a big one, a big one that we haven't talked uh, talked much about are um, action movie cliches. Naturally, I, was, I, have uh, a couple, I had I had some that I was going to bring up that I'll bring up in this part in this part here. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that there are a lot of um, action movie cliches out there as as you know Marvel movies and superhero movies become more and more popular. Um, I think I think we've definitely seen a lot of um, cliches in that market or in that area, you know, um, you know, like, like watching the, you know, the hero get their powers and watch them struggle with their powers and have to learn to become a better, you know, person and, and hero with said powers. And then at the end, you know, they figure out, you know, how to, it's, it's, it's almost like the hero's journey in a way, you know, it's like yeah. following the hero along, um, as they as they learn to adjust, you know, to life with their powers and see how they become like a, a good hero and you know usually usually get the girl get the girl right and, like you, you know. like you have like a love interest they have to kind of balance at the same time beat up the big uh, CGI with, villain right <laughs> yeah and like so and then typically these kind of movies have you know some like throwaway villain that you only see you know in that movie and you'll never really see again that's kind of just cheap and you know not very deep at all right um it doesn't really add much to the actual like plot or quality of the film um and you know those are those are very common you know to make a superhero film um and have some cheap villain and have the hero you know grow and you know struggle and you know get what they want at the end right it's very it's very very typical very common uh and and uh, superhero movies uh, and also action films as well. Kind of what do you think? Yeah, with action movies, action movies are kind of interesting because action movies have a lot of cliches and they're very, they inspire each other a lot. Like, if you were talking the 80s, the 80s action movie cliches were something, there was a very oppressive force that was making everybody feel bad and, you know, things weren't good. So then one guy, super muscly guy, fights back against the system and meets the girl and then falls in love with the girl. The girl ends up in the middle of it. The villain takes advantage of the girl, takes her, kidnaps her, or whatever. And then the guy has to go and save everybody. And then by proxy, the girl, and then defeat the oppressive force. And ultimately, is the cool big bad, big badass guy that everyone wants to be. That was the '80s, right? And in a bit of the '90s. And as time went on, people recognized those cliches right away. And we talked about it a bit in the, the movie trope or the uh, genres episode, where you know, or I think it was a genres episode, where like those the art of the action movie we we did that um or like that was just what people wanted to see because that was the kind of action hero they wanted to be right so that was they wanted to be the guy who stood up and saved everybody and was perfect and amazing and cool and muscly and you know got the cool hot girl that was copy pasted into the movie uh because like that was what they wanted and those cliches have kind of died off or at least changed form and now we get the marvel movie one or the superhero movie one, where people are starting to catch on to those cliches. And, like, with the big CGI villain and the, you know, the, the generic love interest or, you know, the character, you know, having to, to uh, face off against all these foes that make them realize something about themselves, you know? And Marvel kind of copy-pasting that kind of idea. Or Marvel and DC, and basically by proxy any superhero movie nowadays. Um it's it it can get exhausting especially if you watch them all i recognize that uh 
But I think with this cliche and with a lot of the other cliches, as I've been defending them throughout the episode, I have to ask, like, there's a certain amount that we, we watch because we like it. So why are we suddenly turning on it now? Like, it's been done, but Marvel can do it pretty enjoyably. Even if it's been done, there are parts of it that are really enjoyable and make it unique. Prime example, I, uh, Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is a very similar movie to Iron Man. The idea of this really cocky guy end up getting this like crash course where something hurts him and he ends up irreparably damaged and finds a way to cope with that damage by becoming a superhero, has to learn to be selfless, has to learn to get out of his own out of his own head and be or out of his own head out like you know has to realize that he's not the center of the world and he has to put others first like those two movies are very similar do i like both of them a lot yeah because they're both very distinct visuals in terms of how they present that cliche right so it kind of comes down to as we mentioned throughout the the episode the idea that they take the cliches and put a different kind of spin on it that ultimately makes it interesting right and marvel's been doing a pretty solid job with that Black Widow is kind of a fumble because it does kind of feel like they're doing the same thing they usually do. But we've got Eternals coming up and Shang-Chi. And uh, Shang-Chi will be out by the time that we release this episode. But, and then Wait, Eternals it out? Uh, comes out. Um, as of recording this episode, it comes out next Friday. Uh, oh. September 3rd. So, or not September 3rd. Yes, September 3rd. Yes, yeah, right. Third. So yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be September 5th when this comes out. So they, people have already watched it. But um, <laughs> the point is, there are a lot of interesting things coming out that Marvel's trying to spice things up with their formula, or at least it seems. And, you know, I'm all for that. And the shows are also like that. I think, though the cliches are not as egregious as some other ones are, we can recognize that even Marvel, and this DC's been doing it too, where they kind of take spins on it and try something different. With DC, you got The Suicide Squad. And uh, I haven't seen it, but I do recognize they did this Snyder Cut of Justice League, where they do take different views on superhero stories and trying something different. And, you know, I'm for it. And at the same, but at the same time, I don't think superhero cliches are inherently as bad as people say, you know? Uh, yeah, anything else you want to add on the, on the uh, action movie bit? Um, I think I think you said it nicely. Thank you. Uh, let's do one more cliche, if it takes a while, and maybe do two if it's short. Uh, David, what's one more cliche that you would like to discuss today? Um, I guess one more cliche I'd like to cover... Maybe not. A, it doesn't have to be a huge one if you don't want to, but like, even if it's a story beat, like something that is repeated a lot, you know, cliche. Right, 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 right. Um, I want to, I want to go out. Yeah, I kind of want to go with sci-fi movies. Well, okay, what kind of sci-fi uh, cliches? Um, I'm talking, I'm talking your like, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, I guess you can kind of rope like. Jurassic Park in there, Alien, Predator. Well, okay, so what's the uh, what? So what is the cliche that you want to discuss? I want to discuss the um. I don't know. I feel, I feel like there is one. Um, <laughs> He's got it. He's not having his tongue. <sighs> I think you might have just picked out a genre rather than a cliche. Yeah, I think I did. It's all good. It's all right. Um, <laughs> Not going to yeah. cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. I'll leave it. In. I'll leave it in just because it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, no, I get it. Like, there's, there's definitely you can sense them, and you're trying to point them out. But one, right. one that's a little unrelated, but I, I can bring it up because <laughs> that's the, <laughs> the genre. 
<laughs> David just had enough of sci-fi. He's like, I've had it. We're no more sci-fi. Um, is I want to talk about the underdog story because the underdog story is... Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's an inherently a very, very common cliche. And if you had to point to one, it would be Rocky. Rocky is the underdog story. The idea of a guy or a person that started from not much getting the opportunity of a lifetime and being able to make themselves known or do what they wanted to do and always dreamed of doing. Uh, but nobody believes in them. And they have to work their way from the bottom, usually with the help of a nice mentor character who's really, really thoughtful and smart. And they have to work at it. They got to do a lot of crazy stuff. And ultimately, they will succeed in a final showdown against the best in the world or the best in the universe or whatever, and then have to prove themselves as being the thing that they wanted to be. No one believed in them, but then everybody's happy with them in the end, you know? That is the the quintessential coming of age, or not coming of age, um, underdog story cliche. And it's an easy one because it's a perfect way to make a character likable. Because one thing we can all sympathize with is this idea that a character is not, you know, is not as socially accepted as everybody else. Like, every, that's a common thing. So there's been many times where we're sitting there and being like, man, I wish I was accepted more. I wish I was popular and interesting. And that's a very easy idea. And then seeing people oppress them is automatically another instant connection because you've also had to deal with people shutting you down and not letting you pursue your dreams. It's an easy one. Uh, but David, what do you think about it? Like, it's easy, but what do you think of it? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think the underdog story um, is a, you know, a common, uh, you know, cliche and trope that, that's used in, in a lot of stories. You know, it's, it's, it's e- like you mentioned, it's easy to use. Um, it, it's, Sporting, it's a, uh, sports movies. That's, that, that's the thing that uses it a lot. Sports movies yeah, do that a sports lot. sports movies do it a lot. Um, it, it's, it's a way to show character growth really easily. Um, it's a way to like show your characters growing over time, um, in in a, in a in a in a in a I guess in a, in a movie or a show, right? It allows you to um, latch onto the character really easily emotionally because, like, dang, I can relate to that. You know, I I've been the underdog before, right? And then you watch the character grow and you know become the best, right? And by that time, you know, it's like, woo, they did it, right? Um, yeah, right. You're cathartic. Like, we all, we all like to see the guy who couldn't do it do it, you know? Right, right, right. So it's, it's definitely um, an easy way to, you know, let the viewer kind of attach themselves to the character, right? Um, it's, it's a lot easier than having, like, a character that's, like, succeeded all the time, you know? It's like, you're not going to see any growth there if they just have always succeeded. Um, so which is which total counterintuitive to the movie mulan 2020 but which is where she's perfect the entire movie and you know completely defeats the message you're like okay she had to start from the bottom to get to the top she can't start at the top like come on right right, right, right just right. because people don't like her because she's a girl doesn't mean that she isn't also crazy things she's ever wanted <laughs> i mean right sorry that's, right. we'll talk about those movies soon anyways go ahead Dave. yeah no worries um, I, I think I think Mulan, the original Mulan, is a really good example of an underdog story that's like done right. You know, taking a, a cool spin on that underdog story. Like Mulan, you know, came from you know humble beginnings, also like a hero's journey kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like no one, no one believed home. in her, but she had to go on that journey. Right, right going on that journey, um, and then you know becoming the best fighter, you know, in her country. Right, and you know, like that. That's 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 awesome. Super inspirational. 
um, to everybody, really. So I, I think underdog stories um, are really easy at showing like an inspirational journey um, of a character. Um, I think they can be, if done right, they can be really awesome and and uh, very, very inspiring to share a story. Um, I definitely think it's slightly overdone, but I'm not saying that like it can't be. Um, yeah, I think I think underdog stories are, are great. Like, I, yeah. I personally like them. Nice. Yeah, I think underdog stories are because they're mostly sports movies that do that. But as as you start to go on, you start to recognize as time has gone on, a lot of underdog stories have have stopped being like full on adult movies and have kind of devolved to kids movies. Kids movies have taken the underdog story and, and kind of devolved it into a science. That being said, kids movies do not demand your attention, right? Like unlike the casual movie where you watch it because you're like, oh yeah, I know it's it's popular and relevant. Most kids' movies aren't getting that popular, so that's kind of where the underdog story lies right now. So if you want to see cliche underdog stories and you know get beaten into your head, the underdog stories are obnoxious. You've got those movies, like lots of kids' movies do it. Um, there's literally a movie called Underdogs out there that is a, literally an underdog story, and it is terrible, <laughs> not good. But it's also a little animated movie that I watched when I was like 12. So like, who cares? And that's a big part of it. Like. I think another thing with cliche is that I think why a lot of them can go underneath the radar so much is because a lot of people don't care because the cliche isn't noticeable to them, right? Like, uh, let's look at the Transformers and Fast and the Furious movies. We can all recognize they have a very similar similar, similar formula, right? Like, it's a very similar, similar, I keep saying similar, similar thing they do throughout the course of their movies, but they made a crap ton of money. Why? Because that inherent thing was so entertaining and they don't care that it's cliche. Like in the end, they don't care and don't notice it because like just why why kids watch uh, underdog stories and don't care because ultimately if it works, you enjoy it. That's why Marvel movies work so well. And maybe even maybe even why all cliches kind of work is if if you're don't care about like the initial impact of you know, seeing something you've already seen before, if it doesn't bug you, then ultimately you're essentially getting this full experience the way the movie was originally meant to be watched, right? And like, that's a good thing, right? Like we want to enjoy movies the way the movie wants us to enjoy them. And even if it's super heavily cliched, if it doesn't bug you, you get the full experience and that's great. We love that. But at the same time, like you also don't want to be that one guy who goes into the underdog movie for kids and be like, what this is this is the same plot as rocky and then sit there being annoyed the entire time and you had no fun when you took your kids to go see it because it is just the most obvious story right and i think under like an underdog story kind of represents a lot of what uh cliches can do and that's like if you take this idea that's been done over and over and over again but you just do that and then you kind of just flop you know um I, I kind of made it very broad to make a little bookend for this, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think you ended it quite nicely. Thank you, thank you. Uh, underdog stories can be pretty good, but, you know, a lot of the cliches are all restricted to kids' movies anyway. Um, so, yeah. Um, how, what are you th- how are you feeling, Dave? I'm doing all right, Connor. Are you ready to do the suggestions? Yeah, we can have some suggestions. How many you got today? I have two. Well, since it's been a one week since the last time we recorded, I guess that makes sense. The listeners will be all in the way. They're like, what the hell? Like, you had two weeks, but no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we pre-recorded this one because we'll 
Anyways, uh, David, what are your two suggestions? All right. So I have a show and I have a show. (laughs) Wow. I was so anticlimactic. Jesus. I got a show and I've got a show. Yeah. 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 Um, So I haven't really been watching a lot this week. I don't know why. Um, it's because he's he's been doing things for college prep, right? David? Yeah, I've been doing. Co- yeah, yeah, you should be preparing for college, right, David? Yeah, yeah, I've been doing college prep. I've also been working this week, final week before I quit my job. Uh, actually, tomorrow's my last day. Um, Dang, look I know. At, look at that. Well, I, I guess if you're listening to this, it's already yeah, yeah. My last day. No more but, money for you, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Sunday the twenty ninth is my last day of work of August. That was when we're recording this. Oh, crap. Our, our, uh, integrity, our integrity's blown. No. Uh, I'm sorry. No one's going to trust I'm us sorry. anymore. Like, you I lied know. to us. You said this episode came out today. Oh, no, no. You guys I haven't know, seen sorry. Shang-Chi yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Right, um, go ahead. So anyways, um, I've been watching a lot of, like I mentioned last week, I've watching a lot of How I Met Your Mother. Um, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, like I said, it's 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 like it's a sitcom, um, and it it kind of follows the story of you know this guy uh, named Ted and his friends. Uh, one of his friends being Neil Patrick Harris, who plays a straight guy. Um, Which is actually, a lie. Yeah, I know. Um, gone girl, gone girl out here got the same vibes too. You're like, what the heck, Neil Patrick Harris? What are you doing? Stop right? Lying. Why are you, you playing straight this? guys? It makes me mad. Uh, funny thing is, that, like, you know, Patrick Harris has like a gay brother in the show, and oh, it's like so it's a it's, tease. You're like, hey, yeah. here's, a, here's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like it's the funniest thing. It's like he's got a gay brother, but like he's the straight one in the family. So, anyways, um, really good show. Um, I, I've really been enjoying it uh, so far. I'm like almost on season three. Um, is nine seasons. Um, yeah, so like it's basically like anyways, black guy named Ted Mosby is trying to it's on his journey of you know, how he found his wife, you know, like how he how he met the kid's mother. Um, he's the one narrating the show. Um and it's pretty good. The characters are enjoyable, they're fun, um, a lot of cliches. Um, but I think I think I think it's done right. Um if you haven't seen this show, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh how I met your mother. Um, so for my other show, I'm surprised we have not mentioned it yet. Like, neither of us have mentioned this show In yet. terms of cliches, or just in terms of we haven't watched it? The, the show I'm about to mention next. Okay, go, well, go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways, like, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet, like, on our suggestions yet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you've, I don't know if you've watched it or not, because we haven't really talked about it at all. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know what if. I have not watched yeah. what if yet. Uh, I haven't oh, watched yeah, a single that, episode that, yet. I know. Uh, I'm a, I am a. I am a uh, Marvel heretic for that one. Um, I it the first episode premiered like three days before I was going to college, so it ultimately just I did not get to it, and I have no clue if I'm going to watch it with my family or I'm going to watch it on my own. Uh, probably end up watching it on my own, but I will get to it. I promise, and I will tell you, and might we probably will have an episode with, with Jatine on it, so I should get on that. Go right, ahead. right, right. So, um, I've watched, I haven't watched the third episode, but I watched the first two. 
Um, and they're both really awesome. So the first one is is about like um, Peggy Carter becoming uh, the super soldier, the Captain America instead of Steve Rogers. But Steve Rogers definitely does play a huge part in the series. Or not, not series, voiced but, by Chris yeah, Evans. So not not. But uh, Bucky is played by uh, um, the guy Sebastian, Sebastian uh, whatever his last name is. Um, <laughs> I was hoping it would it would inspire it. Sebastian Stan, that's his name. Oh yeah, yeah. I was hoping saying Sebastian would influence your like influence you to say Stan, but it didn't work. <laughs> no, Sebastian, whatever his last name is. Um, <laughs> um, I thought it was a really good episode. Really liked it. Uh, I'm not gonna go into too much depth, but that was very solid. Very solid. Um, second episode, I personally thought was a lot better, um, and that was the one where. T'Challa, voiced by Chadwick Boseman, um, is actually like Star Lord, um, which I think is really cool. Um, really, really interesting premise because it's like I I never thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I think that was the one I was always really worried about because uh, I I was really worried they were just gonna start doing like oh just anything they start throwing them around being like oh let's just throw this character into that role this character into that role I was worried about this one, but. I what I'm from what I'm reading about it, and I could be wrong because uh, I haven't seen it. But it seems to me it's rather it's not necessarily oh what if uh what if let's throw Black Panther into Star Lord outfit. It's more like what if Star Lord was a genuine human being, like where he was like a legitimately like actually thoughtful and nice guy rather than being Peter Quill. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm kind of that's what I'm kind of getting from the vibe, which I like. That's fine. Um, it's just at first I was really worried because I'm like oh are they just gonna have like, let's just find Black Panther and Star-Lord so we can have Black Panther fight in space or something. No, like, no, I was really yeah, worried about no. that. It's, it's, it's like, it's... Because, like, okay, so, like, it, I think this also goes with the Peggy Carter one as well. It's, like, it, it is the character. Like, like, it's, like, what if, like, that character was in this, like, situation? Like, what would they do? Like, they're still, like, fundamentally the same person. Like, T'Challa in the second episode of What If is still T'Challa. Like, he acts like he would if he was still Black Panther. Like, he still has that kind of um, royalty kind of vibe to him. And you can definitely see how that pays off, how, like, his connections to um, other characters, like, how he interacts with the characters, how the characters view him. Um, like, like, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, like, you know that um, Peter Quill is kind of, you know, like he's a nobody. Nobody knows him. He's kind of like the scoundrel, right? But with this, it's like it's Star Lord. You know, like everyone knows Star Lord. He's he's a great guy. Um, he's just like this beloved character, you know, in a way. Uh, minor spoilers, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think I think that's really interesting. Yeah, the thing I was always worried about that one, like with the show, is just because like there are so many great what if concepts. And I think if you found one really clever, it could make a really great episode of a what if like, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on, my, on the show before, but there's one of my favorite what if concepts is what if Spider-Man became Punisher. And that's obviously like, at first you're kind of like, okay, what? Like they just put Spider-Man in Punisher's role, but you, you got to think of like what they do is they literally mix the two characters. Like it's the same Spider-Man story. Spider-Man, you know, uncle Ben dies but maybe he didn't take it so well. Maybe he became what he did what Punisher did, where rather than saying, okay, now I need to defend people and stop that from happening. What if he went full hardcore 
and took it personally and decided everyone who needs to be who does this should die like Punisher does. So essentially, it's the same character of Spider-Man, but essentially taken the role of Punisher, which is a clever idea. And it's a really interesting thing to throw Spider-Man into and having him go against character just because you changed one little reaction in his life. And like, that's awesome. And I was worried about that show because like, I don't want them to just devolve to just let's just throw this character into that role. Like, do something, have some thought put into it, right? And at first, what I was worried about with the T'Challa one, but I'll have to watch the episode. I'll let you know. But from what I'm reading, it is not necessarily what I thought it was, which is good. Yeah, it's, it's a really good episode. Definitely check it out. Highly recommend it to your listeners out there. Very good. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, there's also a third, and there will also be a fourth by the time that, the, uh, by the time that this episode comes out. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. All right, I've got two for you. Um, also, you don't have I... to watch these in order. It's, it's one of those. Oh, yeah, no. It's like they're not connected whatsoever. So I, have, I thought I heard that Captain Carter comes back and T'Challa's and Starler comes back in some episode. Oh, really? Uh, I thought I heard that, but I could be wrong. Um, well, point is, so I'll end my two. I've got a movie and I've got a book because I read during college. What? what? <laughs> yes, I know, right? Loser. Uh, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a comic book, so I'm not that big a loser. Uh, so one of them's a movie. I watched this one because I thought it was just, it was sounded kind of interesting, but I was actually really impressed with this. I it was a lot more than I thought I'd be. Uh, the movie is called The Untouchables. Uh, it's directed by Brian De Palma. He's the guy who did uh, Scarface. He's a pretty prolific director. He's got a lot underneath his belt. Uh, it came out in 1987. It's got uh, Kevin Costner. It's got Sean Connery. It's got Robert De Niro. And it's got a bunch of other people that I do not know the names of. Uh, the plot is essentially, it's about during the Prohibition era, trying to catch Al Capone. And they essentially, they, they, you know, I, there's one of my favorite ideas in this movie is like, the cops are kind of treated like jokes. Like, people during the Prohibition era, like, clearly loved their alcohol. And the cops didn't want to do it. The cops didn't want to be out there stopping the alcohol, but it was also against the law. So, like, they became kind of ridiculed in the public eye where any single opportunity that the cops could be made fun of, they took it. Because, like, everyone loved alcohol. And, you know, Al Capone was considered a god amongst the people because, like, he got them the alcohol that they wanted. And, like, I love that aspect. And, like, the movie is just a really intense and really well-made movie. Like, I love a lot of the ways they incorporate thoughtfulness and heart in the movie. Uh, and at the same time, it's also really fun, really intense, got great dialogue. The, the action's great. I love Robert De Niro as Al Capone. He's not in it much, but when he's on screen, he owns it. He is great in the role, uh, much better than Tom Hardy as Al Capone. That being said, if you did a double, <laughs> if, you, if you did a double take of this movie and then right afterwards watch Capone with Tom Hardy, you'd get one of the most bizarre experiences out there, but I honestly kind of want to do it. Um, but like, yeah, uh, Untouchables is a ton of fun. And its score is, oh my God, the score in this movie is so good. Like, uh, it's by the guy who did The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And you can tell, because the score hits you like that. It is so good. Uh, every single scene, you're sitting there going like, damn, like the music is really taking over. I love the music in this movie. <laughs> um and beyond that, it's really fun, really well directed. I've got a couple of nitpicks. There's a character that I think is kind of dumb, and they totally they overblew this one aspect of the movie. Like they totally went overboard, I think, and made it way too obvious. But I won't spoil. But you'll, you'll kind of get what I mean when you watch it. And then I think there's this one scene that kind of gets a little bizarrely out of tone. But for the most part, 
it's a really enjoyable movie. And if you're looking for like a quintessential mob movie or a quintessential gangster movie, it's a great one. I think it's really well done and a lot of fun. Uh, and it has a lot of really good heart moments too. So it's not just silly over the top. Like it's got some really good heart and some really good emotional moments and it gets really intense sometimes and it's great. Um, you really a fun movie, Untouchables. It's on Pluto TV right now if you want to deal with Pluto TV. But if you don't want to deal with that, then just, you know, look it up. It shouldn't be that expensive. It came out in 1987. Uh, secondly, my book. So I read a comic book and it was, it's, it was apparently originally a... Uh, I think of an online comic first, but they made print, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was it was an Iron Fist run that was pretty short. It's called Iron Fist, the Phantom Limb. Like limb, like a part of your body, L-I-M-B. Um, essentially, it's it's kind of a goofier story, but they do take it pretty seriously, which is, you know, totally Iron Fist's thing. Uh, this demon comes and possesses and takes off his hand. So Iron Fist kind of loses its quintessential thing. And it's this whole thing trying to hunt down the demon. But it's also kind of overlaid with this moment at the very beginning of the series where, or this of the, of the book, where he ends up letting a kid die. Like he, it slips through his fingers. The kid slips through his fingers and dies. And like, that's kind of where the, the, those two stories kind of intertwine this idea of like what superheroes are responsible for and what they're not. And how that affects Danny as a person. Because Danny's whole thing is he's the kind of guy who wanted to be the hero that nobody else could be, you know, he wanted to be the guy who never made those mistakes. He wanted to be, he was, he was supposed to be perfectly trained. You know, he trained to the point where he was the only one who could defeat the dragon that gave him his powers. He was the only one who did that. And letting a kid fall and die is thrown upon him, literally on his hands. And he has to carry that. And so his power is, is literally just his hands, you know, becoming powerful his hands were the thing that ultimately let the kid die. And it was the one thing that was out of his hands. There's a lot of metaphors that talk about hands. I realized in this book, but it, it's silly. Like his hand gets possessed. It's kind of silly, but at the same time, it does carry with it a lot of heart that I kind of enjoyed. And it was silly. Sure. But I think it told itself, it carried itself seriously enough that I think it kind of balanced it out. Ultimately you get a really fun little comic that you can read in like an hour and, it, it, it'll put a smile on your face. It's ridiculous, but it does take itself seriously enough for it to be enjoyable. I like it. Um, and it's also one you don't have to necessarily know a lot about Iron Fist to read because um, ultimately it's not connected to a lot of other stories. It's very self-contained and it's just kind of a fun little thing. And there's not a lot of uh, villain cramming either, which is a big comic thing. We like cram as much notable characters in as possible. Really, the, the only main characters you're going to get from this one are Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and the demon guy who you takes over his hand. So it's, it's a really enjoyable one. Like, it's an enjoyable book. I think uh, if you're looking for something quick and digestible, it's a great Iron Fist read. Um, a lot of Iron Fist stuff tends to get a little fantastical. So I like when they take something that's a little more grounded and just kind of really roll with it, you know? Um, it was good. I like it. But yeah, it was my two, it was my two suggestions. Um, you got anything else you want to throw in there, David? I do not. All right. Well, thank you so much again for listening. We really appreciate your support. I hope the, uh, the two-week jump isn't too crazy for all you guys. It should be pretty easy to adapt to. Um, check us on, out on Instagram, what's that smell underscore you thinking again. I finally got David to post, which is appreciated. But hopefully he'll make it a little more consistent. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Probably not, but let's hope. Uh, yeah, right? Um, and uh, please feel free to let us know there what you want to see from the show, any, any possible suggestions, anything like that. Uh, 
we'll check it out, you know, get some updates on when we miss an episode or something. Because college is coming up, so we may miss an episode or two. But we shall try our best, you know. Um, anyways, I've been Connor. This has been David. Thank you again for listening to yet another episode of the podcast. Entitled, David? What's that smell? You thinking again. <laughs> <laughs>